0: Welcome to C-Suite Interviews, where leaders from across the business spectrum share ideas about how to help organizations thrive. Whether working in the nonprofit, public, or private sectors, you'll hear tips from emerging, newly minted, and veteran leaders that are sure to enlighten and inspire, all aimed at helping you learn more, become more, and contribute more. If you're ready, pull up a chair and listen to this week's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of C-Suite Interviews, where we're going to explore how to increase our energy, vitality, and well-being as executives. You know, as leaders, we have demanding schedules that often make it difficult to eat right, get the rest that we need, and we're going to look at some strategies on on how to do better with this. To help us, we're going to introduce James Herrera. James is a good friend and a, a super fitness coach. Um, He's going to help us get on top of these issues. I met James about 10 years ago while attending the Center for Creative Leadership uh, during a week-long program. Part of that program included talking about wellness and nutrition and the importance of exercise and rest. At the end of the program, I asked James if he would help me shed those extra pounds that I was carrying around and help me get more fit. And he did just that, but probably most importantly what he did for me. He taught me some enduring strategies that I could do to coach myself to make sure that I knew how to manage my energy, and that's what he's going to share with us today. Hey, just a few highlights about James's experience. As I said, he was an instructor at the Center of Creative Leadership. Uh, He was also a U.S. Olympic coach, where he was a voted coach of the year. He is currently an executive at the Wounded Warrior Project, where he's helping our wounded Uh, veterans find their way to vitality and a better life. Uh, He's the founder of a company also called Performance Driven, where he coaches executives and professional athletes. James has several degrees, one in psychology as well as physiology, also holds about three different black belts in various martial arts. You get the idea. James is the real deal. And uh, he's here to help us. And we look forward to James being a regular contributor to the show. So help me welcome James Herrera. Hey James, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, great. Uh, hanging out in
1: Colorado Springs this evening, but had a really good day.
0: Hey, that's good to hear. You know, on the intro coming into the podcast, I explained to our listeners that you and I met about a decade ago at CCL, and and you really helped me to kind of up my game and get my wellness going. And um, I thought maybe to help our listeners know a little bit more about you, more than the intro, just take two to three minutes and explain to us how you go from coaching professional athletes. To helping executives with their wellness and their energy how'd that come about
1: yeah absolutely so i mean i i grew up with a passion for sports you know i i did got so many different things growing up uh bmx skateboarding swimming football boxing and a, and a whole bunch of others and i continued to play pretty hard through college um i was in grad school in a psychology program and at some point During that time, I realized I didn't want to follow that path, and I I shifted into exercise physiology, uh, where I knew my passion was. Um, I had been doing some coaching in various formats with my younger brothers and my son, and I just realized that I had a huge passion for coaching, Um, so I started to follow down that path, and I was doing some coaching and teaching at the University of Texas, El Paso. Uh, Right around that time, I... I thought I was going to potentially enter a career in law enforcement, and I was going through hiring processes with the DEA and FBI, and I decided to go to Colorado on a whim and take this pretty low-paying coaching internship that was – it was just kind of a gamble, and I really wanted to see whether there was something I really wanted to do. Um, I had been to Colorado before. I knew I loved the mountains. Uh, I was going to work in the cycling world, uh, coaching cyclists and triathletes and runners and you know a whole bunch of endurance athletes. So I gave it a shot, and it went incredibly well. Uh, realized I was even more passionate than I thought I would be. Got really entrenched in that world for a number of years. Uh, decided to start my own business at one point. Uh, left that organization and started coaching and consulting, and A mutual friend introduced me to someone that was heading up the fitness division at the Center for Creative Leadership. Uh, He was a guy that uh, this other friend and I knew from the Olympic Training Center. And uh, so he introduces me to her and we wind up hitting it off and she tells me, you really need to be part of this sort of executive fitness culture world and helping senior leaders and organizations recognize the impacts. Of good healthy practices and so I went and sat in on a couple of lectures that they were doing and and sort of uh, Shadowed her and watched what they were doing with their fitness programming and I thought man. This is really cool I saw all these similar behaviors and senior executives and personality traits that I saw in elite athletes I was like these guys are are world-class in a completely different arena than I'm used to dealing with uh, but again, you know personality traits being similar. I figured I could to bring my knowledge base over there and start doing that type of work. So I, I spent a good 10 years uh, kind of coaching and consulting with executives there at, at CCL, Center for Creative Leadership, uh, and it's been awesome. I mean, I've met some, uh, some amazing people uh, like yourself and really helped them to understand how living a healthier lifestyle makes them better leaders.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great segue thinking about the impact of – what fitness can do to raise your leadership game. You know? Um, I remember being at CCL and listening to you talk, and I just did not have on my radar the impact of not being fit and some of the aspects that are, are real important to keeping our energy real high. For example, one of them is the impact on your cognitive ability, how well you can think and how clearly you can think. Maybe you can talk about some of the other impacts that executives may not be at their full potential um, kind of, I guess, the, the inverse of that is what are the benefits of working out? What, what, what will executives realize from doing that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for relating it specifically to executive behavior outcomes, there's, there's a huge amount of research supporting the impacts of physical activity on various cognitive functions. A um, couple of really good reads that helped me understand these impacts better. One was The the Brain Rules by John Medina, and then, then there's another really good one called Spark. Uh, by two authors, uh, Rainey and Hagerman. And so anyways, when we look at impacts of exercise on cognitive functions, you're talking about short and long-term memory, problem-solving, fluid intelligence, which means connecting the dots, uh, creativity, attention span, alertness, and then you can look at a whole host of other things that, you know, we're not really thinking about, but improvements in mood, in confidence, in your energy levels, and then also improving your sleep patterns. So, you know, every single one of those things and more is most certainly going to help you perform better in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And as a senior leader within an organization, you know, if you can problem solve better, if you can be more creative, if you can be more alert, if your confidence is higher, if your mood is better, uh, that is 100% going to make you a better leader. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, some of those things we're talking about doing is – you know, making sure you get enough rest. Sleep is in that category for sure for recovery and stuff. Um, so what is some of the science telling us about sleep? It seems to be the hot topic now. A lot of people are talking about getting enough sleep.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I was just having this dialogue with another friend of mine. Um, you know, sleep is obviously a very important thing, and, and that's not new information. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about restoring the body and – Energy levels and the immune system and hormone regulation, all the homeostasis. You know, we want to get back to that good baseline. So, you know, like I mentioned, your energy levels are obviously going to improve. Alertness, the list of cognitive functions that I mentioned is also impacted by sleep. Uh, You know, and the interesting thing is, even though all of those things get better, you know, the, the recommendation is seven to nine hours for most people as optimal. Um, It is also going to impact your heart health if you've got a long-term behavior of negative sleep patterns. Now, over the course of my my coaching life, I've dealt with senior executives for a number of years, and I've dealt with a number of guys in the special forces. In both cases, uh, both groups of those individuals will function on a lot less sleep than is optimal. So it's an interesting question because, you know, when you ask about is sleep going to improve things? 100%. Cognitive functions get better, alertness gets better, hormone regulation gets better, and all that is great. Can you function on less sleep? 100%. We all do it. Um, you know, We all have to self-justify what's most important in our day. If you've got a really busy life, you've got a family, you've got things to do at work, you may be functioning on six or five or four hours of sleep and still getting the job done. Can you be more alert? Can you do more critical thinking? Can you function better if you sleep more? Yes. But will you still get the job done if you don't? Um, You know, like my buddies in the special forces do, you know, when a mission calls and they've only got an hour of sleep, they get up and they go. And due to adrenaline and some other things, you know, they make it happen. When you've got a board presentation to do and you're running on three hours of sleep and a lot of caffeine, you're going to get it done.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast, James, are my peers. You know, they're somewhere between 40-something and the 50-something and early 60s probably. And, and um, you know, we're all probably packing very easily an extra, you know, 5, 10, maybe 15 pounds, you know. And if you were to advise us, saying, you know what, if you could just focus on four or five things that could really make a difference – what does that look like? Because I don't have four to five hours to work out a day. You know, I'd love to, but I don't. So, you know, can you give us some tips, some thoughts about, you know, hey guys, focus on these four or five things, or ladies, and um, these would be helpful and they're doable. What would those be? Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. So, you know, number one, I'd say you have to you have to prioritize and recognize that your health is a priority. You gotta stop putting it on the back burner. Uh, you know, we all say. We want to be healthier. We want to be more fit. We want to make better choices. I talk to people every single day that tell me that, um, and I truly I can't think of anything more important for your own personal health, and and then also the impact to your loved ones. Um, you know, number two, I would say you got to remember that nutrition is eighty percent of the work. You just absolutely cannot out exercise a bad diet. Um, and I see people frustrated with this all the time because they either go to the gym or they've taken up walking or cycling or something, and they're doing it you know, multiple days a week and they're just not seeing the impacts to their waistline or to the body weight that they really want to. So cleaning up the diet and making better choices, uh, that's a huge impact there. As a CEO or a senior leader in your organization, you have the power to dictate a lot of things that impacts the culture and the health of your organization. Now, I know when I was working with you, um, you know, when we first met and some of the changes that you made uh, over at at Partners, um, you know, just introducing the fruit bowls on different people's desks instead of candy and sort of dictating that lunches were catered or restaurant choices had healthy options. I think that made a huge impact to the culture of the team and sort of trickled all the way down the organization. You all have the power to make those choices. Uh, Number three, I'd say move every single day. Uh, That's just something that you have to prioritize. You've got to carve out 30 minutes in your day um, and really make it a point to do something regardless of how light the activity is, you just need to move. I mean, in a perfect world, we'd say we'd want a combination of resistance and some type of aerobic exercise. But that could be as simple as walking for 15 or 20 minutes and doing a couple of sets of bodyweight exercises. Now, I, I've had folks tell me before, you know, hey, I don't have 30 minutes in a day. And, and for those folks, I'd say everything else I just told you is probably not going to matter uh, because you're not prioritizing. But if you move for 10 or 15 minutes, is that better than zero? Absolutely. You know, you've got to prioritize and you've got to carve out that time. Uh, another thing I'd say is don't be afraid to pick up the pace. You know, we we tend to get in these ruts of sort of dog walking pace or very benign level exercise. And, and you know, we can talk more about intensity, but higher intensity work is where you get the biggest bang for the buck. Um, and that that's all relative to the individual. So high intensity for one person might be sprinting, whereas for another person, it might just be picking up the pace and they're walking and getting a breathing slightly bit more elevated than what is normal. But doing that higher intensity exercise is going to burn more calories. You're going to do more in a shorter period of time, which most executives that I know don't have a whole lot of time on their calendar. So, again, we're talking about the biggest bang for the buck there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also say find modes of accountability, You know, whether that's a spouse, significant other, your kids, your friends. Or even online modes of challenges or apps. You know, All of those things are ways to make your fitness routine a bit more accountable. You get home and you go walk the dog. Well, your dog needs exercise too. Uh, that's a mode of accountability there. You get your kids on the bikes, Teach them that moving is a healthy practice. That's something that, that mom and dad just like to do as part of their normal routine. That pays dividends way down the road. Because that's, that's something, something that
0: they're, they're going to internalize. So you gave us some really good advice there. I keyed in on the diet piece. A challenge for me <laughs> many times, but how big that is—it's you know—it's eighty percent of the time. You said, "Hey, hey, there's no amount of exercise that's going to cover up a bad diet." So if I wanted to get better with my diet, you know, there are so many fad diets out there. There are so many packaged foods that are you know slim this, good this, low fat this, and You know, if I wanted to get started in heeding your advice about, hey, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to start cleaning this up. How would you go about doing that? Like, what what do you do with that?
1: Well, you know, like I said, you you can't really out-exercise a bad diet, and I I can't overemphasize the importance because I do see people struggle with this so much. Um, You know, one big misconception I would say is there's not only one way to eat. Uh, People get really fixated on certain types of specialty diets. You know, whether the latest craze is paleo or vegan or vegetarian or, you know, I've heard people call it clean, uh, you know, walk into a Barnes and Nobles and go look at the nutrition section and you would just be completely overwhelmed with the amount of information that's out there. You know, um, believing everything that you read in pop culture, health and fitness magazines is also not necessarily the way to go. Uh, you know, most of those magazines are are driven by advertising dollars, so the content is sometimes a little bit tainted. Hmm. Um, but in any case, if we're talking about you know what what does good look like, we're talking about real food. You know, this is this is really plain and simple. It's stuff that you know if your if your grandmother walked into the grocery store, she'd know what it is. Uh, things that don't have a label. You know, fresh produce, uh, meat dairy, things like that that are not overly processed. Uh, we, you know, I, I eat a, a, a certain variety of foods that is sort of acceptable to me, but I choose to eat as clean as I possibly can, and it doesn't really matter if you are a vegetarian or an omnivore or whatever type of food choices you like, but simply looking for the cleanest choices of those options is always going to be your best bet. So if i don't if I don't see it in a package, if I don't see it in a can, um, I'm gravitating towards those aisles of the store. I'm shopping on the perimeter of the grocery store. I'm buying things that you know came out of the ground. they might have walked or run or flown or swim. Uh, <laughs> but generally speaking, I'm looking for things without labels without labels as much as possible.
0: Um, one of the other things is that a lot of my questions um, today have been about. You know, James tell us about what to do, right, a certain workouts, certain ways of thinking about fitness or nutrition or those things and many of our listeners we have a wonderful benefit, an executive benefit that they'll pay for executive i mean not executive coaching, but um fitness coaching, or we have dollars that we can put towards exercise machines that get reimbursement because our organizations understand that matters, that's important, and we want to support you in that. So if you're out there and you're thinking about, hey, you know what, I'm going to hire me a coach to work with, do you have any advice about how to approach that? How do you find a good person to partner with as a coach, and how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, you know, there is there is fitness coaches and personal trainers all across the board in terms of levels of performance. Um, you'll see A, B, and C level personal trainers just like you see CEOs and managers and plumbers and the barista at Starbucks, you know, some are are great and some are just barely, you know, skimming the surface. Um, You know, some are really, really good at knowing their movement patterns and special adaptations for injury needs or, you know, you've got a lower back issue, you've got knee issues, you've got things that you've developed over time. You know how to how to modify around that, how to motivate an individual, um, and then others are just going to hand you weights and count your reps and, and waste your money. Um, and I've seen the whole gamut, you know, from top to bottom. So some of the certifications that are reputable from organizations like the National Strength and Conditioning Association or the American College of Sports Medicine those are those are a place to start. Um, That is not the definitive, but those are places to start. They ensure the individual's got a college degree in some type of exercise science. Their credentialing process is a little bit more lengthy and reputable. Um, So you're starting a little bit higher there. I would ask a lot of questions and interview them just like you would interview a new hire within your organization. Um, You need to connect with their personality, their intellect their communication style if you're going to get the most out of the relationship. If you have a 15-minute conversation and you're starting to sense some kind of abrasive personality trait that you don't like, that's probably not going to be the best personal trainer for you. Um, I would ask friends and colleagues and other gym members for recommendations because usually the superstars in a gym or in a health club or uh, in an executive uh, fitness facility facility within the organization, they're going to stand out. Like people know who those peak performers are, and they're readily able to identify them. So those are just some of the things that I do uh, when I'm referring a, a client, you know, an executive to
0: a personal trainer. Well, one of the things that you did for me that I thought was excellent is you really got to know my schedule, my rhythm, my issues, my former health issues from athletics and started to really put together something that was built on my real needs and kind of meeting me where I was at. And um, and at that time, my conditioning was not that great, (laughs) and and you had to get me on a path that incorporated those four or five things, but in a doable way, and um, our accountability calls were real important. You know, we were meeting once a week for a while, then every two weeks once I got my cadence and my discipline going, and um, all of those pieces uh, were real important. You know, kind of switching gears here a little bit, um, we've been talking about the executive and the need for them to have their game together and to lead by example. Um, but James, could you talk at a, at a high level about um, executives turning and helping their organizations get more fit? And what kind of research, you know, from CCL or in your experience, um, you know, what's the payoff for doing that? Why, you know, why do we need to do that? Why should we do that? What's in it for the organizations if we kind of move down that path?
1: You know, the the wellness research in organizations is, is very sound. I mean, there there's all sorts of validity in reducing the number of sick days, the absenteeism from teammates because their health has improved. Uh, they've coined a condition called presenteeism where individuals are actually at work, uh, but they're not as productive as they could be because their energy levels are lower. Uh, they're dealing with other health maladies that can be Addressed, uh, lessened, or even treated completely by healthy diet and exercise practices. So, you know, I think when you talk about quality of work and time at work with individuals, reducing health insurance premiums for an organization, all of that is going to pay huge dividends. Uh, You know, from the organizations that I've worked with, if the senior leadership does not embrace the concept of a healthy organization, I've never truly seen it work. I've worked with a handful of companies where you know CEO and the executive team really gravitated towards this, embraced it, and cascaded across the organization. and the impacts to the culture, you know, the vibe, the motivation, uh, the happiness of teammates was just so prevalent. and I was able to see that over a period of years of working with these organizations. Um, on the flip side, I've worked with other companies where, You know, the HR team kind of scratches the surface. They run a a wellness fair once a year and they do some sort of uh, baseline things, but the senior leadership is not truly bought into it and it just never goes anywhere. So you ultimately have the power to make some pretty dramatic changes. Um, You know, just as a human being, improving the health of another individual or setting the conditions for success for your teammates to have better choices. that's one of the things that I, that I know is incredibly valued from teammates. Uh, you know, it, there's a number of people that struggle with the workplace culture and unhealthy snacks available at, you know, around every corner and things like that. And when you're able to make those changes, it removes the temptation and people tend to be a bit happier.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as leaders, we're in charge of capital, in, including human capital. And uh, the risks that are associated, that would be a threat to that capital. And I don't think it's much of a stretch to think about. I want a real good return on investment, and I'm going to deal with the risk, and I'm going to lead the way in managing that and all things, including you know, our health and our wellness. And, and um, you know I, I've watched in our organization when the motivation is high and the energy is high, it can be directed towards whatever is the next mission that we're going on. And and I think any leader who's listening to this would say, and I think the missions are getting more difficult. There is a higher velocity that we need to work at. Uh, the workplace is getting nothing but more challenging. So, uh, boy, our people need to be up to it. And and to take that as a lever that you can use to have your organization meet with success is, boy, we need to start understanding this, you know, in a modern way of leading and leading. Um, You've really helped us kind of understand what those things are. And I think that journey, as we've been talking about, is is first with yourself, right, that kind of inside-out journey, and then we can begin to lead our organizations into these kinds of programs and those things. You know, James, I, I've got to, uh, we're, we're coming up to the top of our time here. I could just talk all day to you about this. This is something that I'm passionate about. And if you don't mind, if you'd come back and talk with us to time to time and and on topics that uh, maybe some of our listeners want to suggest, uh, we could do that. Would you be up for that? Oh, absolutely.
1: As, mu- as much as you are willing to listen, yeah. <laughs> I-, I spend the time. I can talk about this all day.
0: All right. Hey, well, that's great. So to our listeners, maybe uh, hey, thanks, James, for joining us today. We will have show notes posted for you on the com. And, uh, James, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again real soon. Thanks for having me, John. Much appreciated. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of C-Suite Interviews. A couple of notes. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you can show your support for these podcasts by going to iTunes and rating the episode that you listen to with five stars. And please tell others about the C-Suite Interviews and the com, where you can find resources such as articles, tools, and videos to help all aspects of leadership development. That's it for now. Thank you for listening to this episode.